Hello, and welcome to Eastgate Community Church. We are so glad you've joined us to listen to this message from our weekend encounter. We pray you are encouraged by what you are about to hear. Mm, That's good. All right, you can sit down. You know, it's just too good. We get too boring and stiff and dead in church. And this is the house of God. This is where he lives, this is where he dwells. We should be excited. We should actually uh, enjoy this stuff and be full of life with him. And so, uh, I don't know, I just, I love it. So we got a couple things to go on. This morning, I don't have much of a, uh, maybe like a linear deal, uh, but I really just want to just share the gospel of Jesus with us this morning. And um, it's just good. And I've just been getting blown up in the Lord in a good way, been getting uh, just wrecked by how good he is and what he has for us. And I'm convinced that we don't understand and we don't fully know yet uh, who this God is and who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross and who our Father is that we can come before him boldly, who the Holy Spirit is that dwells on the inside of us. And, and so it's a journey, you know, uh, but I just want to share some of this this morning. Uh, so this isn't like a, this is not how to go share the gospel. I think we have been pretty bad at sharing the gospel of Jesus with people and it's no wonder that uh, many people don't want to hear it and so I'm gonna see this is nothing new this is all just the word uh, but I just maybe want to go through uh, the amazing just incredibleness that the Lord has given to us and what he's invited us into um, and so this is for us if we're not walking in this and I hope this encourages us this morning it sends us into a uh, just an, a new journey with the Lord. You know, Christianity, as we know, American Christianity, as we know it, is pretty terrible and it's pretty ineffective and not what the Father had in his heart from the foundations of the earth. And so I'm not coming against any specific thing. This isn't a coming against a group. There's no person in my mind. It's just we have stripped down, laid bare. The, the goodness and the riches of God. And we've settled for trinkets and we've settled for what is it, costume jewelry. And we, we fight each other over costume jewelry and we show up in our churches filled with cheap garbage. And we wonder why we're dead and why we're boring and why we have no life and why our, our life looks nothing like Jesus's life, which is, he's our, he's our pattern, he's our image. He's the one where you guys in here, not pastors, not leaders, not conference speakers, are supposed to be looking like Jesus in your everyday life. And so you go read the Gospels and what he did, and that's the, that's the beginning, that's the foundation uh, of your life before the Lord. And I mean, it's obvious we can look around, and that's not the case. <laughs> it's not the case in many of our lives, but uh, there's just, there's goodness in, uh, in, in what he's doing. And, um, and it's just an awesome thing that he's inviting us into. And so this should be nothing new this morning, but I just hope to, uh, in the presence of the Lord, just to spark something new and to get us out of dead religion, because that's what we have, if we'd be honest with ourselves, or speak for myself, uh, we are more full of dead religion than we are full of the truth of the gospel, of the Father inside of us, and Jesus manifesting through us as the Holy Spirit flowing on the inside. And so, I just want to share that this morning and in this um, this idea uh, was just really awesome to me in the last couple weeks. So we went on vacation this last week. We we're in Florida. We we're in like the Panama City area. I don't know. What was the beach called? What's it called? 
Carrillo, Carrillo, whatever. We were on some beach and it was nice. Uh, we were with uh, Rachel's family, and uh, so it was really awesome. And uh, so when you when you have we're both all of us four, and uh, so when you go on vacation with your in-laws, um, it's free babysitting. And so we had a week of free babysitting for the most part. And uh, so it was really good. I love my son, spent lots of time with him, uh, but I got to spend just a lot of time with the Lord. And it was, uh, it was a needed time, and it was, a, it was a time where the Lord just really met and spoke a lot of stuff uh, in my life. And so I just wanna share some of that with you guys. And uh, you just made clear a couple of things and one of them is just this, it's like a rewiring. I've been sharing uh, here and just in, in conversations, it's like literally stepping into some of this stuff with the Lord. He's, he's like rewiring all of who I am. He's rewiring how I'm thinking. He's rewiring what I expect. He's rewiring how I function inside of him because it's so absolutely, utterly different than the way we've lived before what I grew up being taught in church. and. Um, and one of the things that he shared is just that uh, we are powerful in him. And Eastgate is going to raise up. We're going to be a part of raising up powerful people in God. And I'm not talking about power in the sense of control, but just like you are powerful in your relationship and in your walk with the Father. And so you're not, you're not, um, You're not waiting for something. I think a lot of, in a lot of, because of ignorance and because of hurt and because of immaturity, we have framed our lives in this, in, in that we were powerless of so many things. And so we're just getting on, we're just keeping on, going on, getting on, trying to get by. And that is not the life that God has for us. That's not what he's made inside of us. So we are powerful. And so this morning, I just wanna kind of set this whole deal up and that you are powerful. And you're in your relationship, you're, as a believer, you're powerful in him, seated in him, uh, to walk with him, to, to have understanding, to, to have revelation, to flow in him. You're actually powerful to see him. You're powerful to, to hear him. You're powerful to touch him. Psalms uh, 34 uh, talks about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And this is not set apart for the, the Christian elite. This isn't set apart for the fivefold. This is for you. Like you are powerful to know God. Amen. It's like, man, just you, you, right. <laughs> you just say it, and then, but you yeah. are powerful to know the eternal God. Yeah. You know, we need to start. That's our beginning place in Him. You are powerful in Him. You're powerful to think. You're powerful to grow, you're powerful to question, you're powerful to journey with him, you're powerful to process, you're powerful to make mistakes, you're powerful to, to have victories, you're powerful to explore and to learn, to succeed and to hope. Like we are powerful in him and we have got to get this uh, truth uh, inside of us that, that we are. And so it's not this weird ego trip, it's not this kind of deal because we are all together as brothers and sisters in the Lord, powerful um, to know him and to be with him. And so, yeah, and it's gonna change, you know, it's gonna change the way we come together. We've been dreaming, I've, I've been on my own and, and some of us have been talking and just dreaming about what it looks like for a body of believers that know they're powerful in the Lord and what that looks like when we come together. Because our model of church, I think super broken, 
and it's not always boring and ineffective, but it's super broken because we are trying to take powerful people who don't know they're powerful people and trying to fix individual aspects or elements of their life. We're trying to take uh, cruddy situations and just put good message band-aids on top of them and good program band-aids on top of them. And it just doesn't work. And, and, and we, we can get big crowds of people. It's not that hard to, to get big crowds of people to do something, but it's not producing a, a, a bride, a body of Christ that's powerful, that gets to walk with the Lord. And so that's, I think that's the awakening that we've had, that we've been walking in recently, is that we get to walk with him. We get to journey with him. And it talks about in the word that, that God teaches us. We don't even need other people to teach us that we can actually walk with the Father and He teaches us. That sounds like that kind of if if I had you come up here and preach that, you would probably be maybe a little unsure of even saying that. Because we've we frame this whole deal as that like I need some pastor, I need some leader, I need some man to get me somewhere with the Lord. When when you don't, the Lord's given us relationships and He's given us leaders in our life, but it is to fully equip us to go after the Lord and it's to to break it's to supply it's just like blood vessels to each part and tenants that connect one to another but you don't need this other person to give you um, relationship or to give you power uh, with the Father and uh, that's that's a big shift that needs to happen uh, with us when we need to get that we need each other in relationship and love uh, because they'll know us by our love for one another but I don't think we can fully come into that type of love until we realize that I'm connected directly to the Father. And from that place, I can love you. I can walk alongside of you and I can be your friend. I can be a leader in your life. You can be a friend and you can be a leader in my life because our supply is Jesus. Our supply is the Father directly. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and that makes us like incredibly powerful and it keeps us from controlling one another. You know, because so much of what we have is built around, I need to be able to control what you think. And look, you can go read the word and hear directly from the Lord. You know, I think a lot of us need to delete programs out of our brain of messages that we've heard and things that we've grown up hearing. Because not every person that preaches or teaches or has a podcast uh, has an intimate relationship with the Father. Like, I, I just look back, and that's just the truth. That's not knocking anybody. Uh, but he can speak truth directly to you that may be different than what someone else is saying. And that's okay. Why? Because you're powerful in your relationship with him. Uh, and we're not limited by, you know, you, we all grew up, whatever. If you grew up in church, you grew up here at lots and lots of stuff. Some of it was true. And I'm finding most of it may have not so much have been true. Or it was a, it was a understanding or a revelation of a specific passage or principle in the kingdom. But there's more to it. And so you could have your favorite speaker who, when they preach this thing, they, they, you know, that this is the revelation they got. But the Lord can give you a totally different revelation that's true to his word, that's true to his heart, because uh, he's, he's infinite. And, um, and there's, just, there's just so much more. And it, it's just really exciting uh, to me that this is where we are, and this is where we're going, and this is what we're going to raise up. So what does a body of believers look like together that don't come to get their validation and don't come to get approval and don't come to get their word for the week but they walk through the doors as sons as daughters as kings as priests that are fully accepted in the beloved that are covered in the blood that walk as powerful men and women in god who work with him who hear his voice like what does a room full of believers look like 
and you're not coming in and the last time you heard God's voice wasn't last Sunday but it was when you woke up this morning and you sat and you actually talked with him what does a room look like to where if I said how many of you have seen God and everybody raises up their hands because we can and we're supposed to see him because Jesus said I only do what I see my father doing and only say what I hear him saying so how can you how what are you doing if you don't see him you know that's like well that's a good question you know and it's not metaphorical we, that's a lot of the bad teaching as Jesus says something and we say oh but he really meant this he really meant you see him in the word it's like no he didn't because he said see him right. what does see mean in Greek yeah. it means see with your eyes it is not complicated <laughs> and so a lot of the stuff I've been going back to it's like that's not what that meant at all it was just someone was teaching something out of their inexperience and immaturity and they made the Bible match their life instead of this is what the father actually said this is what Jesus actually said and he meant what he said, and he doesn't need us to go rationalize what he said to meet our experience. And so, I know I'm rambling, but it's okay. Amen. And I'm not beating you up either. This is like, this is exciting. I, I you know, I've, I've been hearing all this, and it's, the Lord's just been speaking this stuff to me. And it just takes a little while to even, like, get it in your brain. And then I realize all the systems and structures and and, and processes and patterns in my mind and my in my soul are all wired to this other way of thinking that I can't see God that I'm just kind of stuck in this uh, you know whatever mediocre life and then one day I'll die and then somehow uh, death which has manifested sin uh, qualifies me to have a relationship with God so I just kind of hold out until sin wins and then I get to go be powerful with the Lord and that's nonsense that's heretical that's garbage uh, Jesus paid for uh, he took the power of death out in the grave away death has no power over you any longer so death can't qualify you for anything and so everything that we see in the word death doesn't qualify us to access and to experience but life does that Jesus does that the gospel does that grace does so I'll pray we'll start <laughs> I do want to pray, Father. We just, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I just ask for your hope uh, to come in the room. God, just your perspective and, and your joy. Lord, it says that you were anointed the oil of gladness above all your companions. And, you know, Lord, we've had nothing to be joyful about. We've had nothing to hope in because we've diluted your word and we've diluted your truth, Lord. And we've, we've, um, we've settled for cheap. Uh, grace and a cheap gospel that that was never your heart so we just ask that you come in the room and enlighten our hearts Lord that uh, that I would speak your words or but that your Holy Spirit your your ministering angels Lord uh, that you would be speaking directly to our hearts or directly into our spirits what you think and what you say about all this stuff that it wouldn't be at the words of another man but it'd be directly from your lips so we just honor you, God. I, I honor you, honor your presence. Lord, I honor that in your presence there's fullness of joy. Lord, in your presence there's pleasures forevermore. We just honor, Lord, that you want to walk with us, God, that you are jealous for us. Lord, you're not jealous for worship services, and you're not jealous for church buildings, but you're jealous for us. Lord, we honor 
your heart for us, Lord. That you want to walk with us in the cool of the evening. So we just thank you for who you are. Lord, we just honor your, uh, your angels from your presence. That they would come and be in our midst as ministering spirits. Lord, I just pray in your presence as we're going through this stuff, Lord, that we would uh, experience you. That this morning, uh, all of us, Lord, we would encounter you and experience you. Lord, we would taste and see. We would, we would touch that we would feel you. Lord, you've called us into intimacy Lord you called us into relationship you called us into joy and Lord it's time that we start taking those places back or that we start engaging and encountering you in joy Lord in pleasure in ecstasy Lord like you say in your word we just thank you Father in your name we pray amen you know honor is a huge thing in the kingdom uh, and the, the, the issue of honor is that what you honor, you attract. And what you honor, you draw. You know, and so we want to be a people who honor the, the Lord. We want to honor the presence of the Lord. You know, how do you, you know, what's honor? I mean, I, we won't go into that this morning, but I encourage you to go look at what honor is. And if you're seeing issues or things in your life, that's being drawn and attracted in your life, I challenge you to go look at what you honor, to look at the places in your life. I, I'm, we're not going here in this kind of teaching. We may do this later on, but I encourage you to look in a couple of different places. You have places that you experience with your body. You have, you have places in your soul and you have places in your spirit. You have doorways, you have gateways inside of you. And if you're experiencing re repetitive issues and junk in your life just encourage you to go through and ask the father to search you to know you and, and just honestly look and see what you value and what you honor and what are you drawing what are you giving what you honor is what you give permission to invade your life with or come be around you and so we need to take seriously the things that we honor and it's like you know we can honor people and that's kind of easy to understand but if you're watching six hours of tv a day you're on you know that's what you're, you're giving yourself to you're honoring and then you're saying it's a two-way thing where you honor is always, it's a bridge that gets to come and be inside of you as well. And so, uh, you know, our lives need to look like vessels of honor uh, before the Lord and the things that are important to him. And so that's why you can say that, you know, we're just explaining a little bit of what we're doing, but even with the angels, you know, angels are good. They're from, they or created them. They're, they're from, they're in his presence. Uh, they're part of the, the, the family of God in the sense of, uh, you know, they've been with him uh, from before the foundations of the earth. And, uh, you know, we've so much dishonored because of ignorance and because of misunderstanding. Um, and I'm sure well-meaning people, but we've dishonored the things that the Lord's made and made for us. They would come be ministers, that they would come bring understanding, that they would bring his presence to come from his glory. And so even in the same way, I, I'm shifting my life to honor. I don't worship or whatever. That's crazy to angels, but just honoring who they are, just like I honor 
you guys and you have influence and in, in effect in my life. You know, we need to shift around what we what we think about some of this stuff because it's crazy that we can't. Some people get really uh, confused and maybe misunderstand when you, in a time of prayer like that, welcome angels in. It's like, well, you can't pray to angels. I'm not praying to angels. I'm talking to them. But you can't talk to angels. It's like, well, why? Like, do you believe we can talk to angels when we die and go to heaven? Like, again, stop thinking that death qualifies you for anything. So why can you not talk to angels? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's who the Lord, the Lord created them. It does it. That's nonsense, you know. I worship the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, but we can, we're supposed to work hand in hand yes. with the ones that the Lord's given us. We are spirit beings. You are not it. You are not a human as you think you are if you are saved. I will put it that way. You are a spirit that has a soul that dwells at this moment in a body, but it won't always be so. And it's time we start thinking that way. This is this is our inheritance. This is our right as sons and daughters to, to, to function and move with God and the ones that he created and sent into our lives. And so, uh, and it's awesome, you know. I was just in a practical way. I've just been looking like angels have been with in the presence of God for millions of years, if you want to put it that way, before the foundations of the earth stole a big number out. We fall over ourselves to honor, uh, you know, a fat preacher who's been preaching for 50 years. And I, we should do that. We should honor people who labored with the Lord, but they're, all, they're usually fat. <laughs> We fall all over ourselves. Sorry to all the fat preachers who've been reaching for years. Yeah, okay. But we fall ourselves to honor people like that, which we should. You know, honor those who've labored among us. But these beings, these ones have been in the presence of the Lord uh, for all this time, walking in obedience, serving Him, serving us, standing in the glory. Uh, they're, they're so active and they're doing so much on our behalf. Um, and if, if, you know, it's just like, it's a no brainer. We would honor those who've, who've labored and who've served our father, the one that we love, you know. That has nothing to do with anything we're gonna talk about, but there you go. That's good. Because they wanna walk, they, it says angels long to look into the things that we're doing. And they, well, they long to see what, what's going on, what we have access to. And so I think that's really cool. People have been with the Father for eons, standing face to face, seeing him unveil, want to see what you can do and want to see what you're about. So just the gospel message, Jesus came before the he was slain before the foundations of the earth. He came to the earth as a man, fully God, fully man, coming in. Uh, dwelling among us, being tutored, being trained, being raised up, growing in favor and in stature with God and man. He, he went through the process that we went through. Um, he learned through wisdom. Uh, he learned through obedience. He learned, he, he took the journey that we're on and then he didn't sin. And he goes and lays his life down at the cross and then he picks it back up again. And then he goes, uh, into the earth, he goes in the pit, he takes back the authority of death, hell, and the grave that was transferred over to the enemy when sin entered in, and then he ascended before the Father, presenting himself as the eternal, everlasting lamb that was slain, 
the final sacrifice for our sins, the, the propitiation, the exchange, the, the replacement for our sins. He came as a redeemer, presented himself before the Father, and then covered, and then rend, ripped the veil um, that separated the Holy of Holies, the, the glory, the presence of God from the rest of the world. Uh, and so that's the gospel message. That's what Jesus came to do. Um, and and that's, that's true. That's the foundation of what we're going to talk about this morning. We explain that to people, and that's our gospel message. That in the moment, there's sin, there's death, there's life in Jesus. We have faith in him, we confess in him, and boom, we're saved. And we just kind of stop there, and that's how we do our uh, presentation of the gospel to people that don't know. And it's just like, so what? You know, you're talking to people who don't even know what sin is necessarily. And so I just want to go through and some of what that means uh, for us and for people as we're declaring the gospel of Jesus um, to a lost and dying world, which we're called to do. But we are free from our old selves and the limitations of our old selves. And we just need to understand as we're walking out in our life with God, that we are not trying to redeem what once was. And so before Christ, you were, an old, you were old, you were dead in your sin, and then in him, uh, we're saved, we're redeemed. We're not trying to go back to something that we once were. Like God, Jesus is not, Holy Spirit is not sanctifying you, and you know, you weren't justified to get back to something that you already were. That person's dead and gone. We're not being restored to a version of something that we were before sin. First uh, Peter 1, verse 23, if you want to pull that up. And some of these, go ahead and uh, check that out. First Peter 1, verse 23. I've got quite a few scriptures, so for time I may just read some, and I'll just let you know. I'm reading out of the Amplified, so sorry if that messes you up, but it's just really, really good. First Peter 1, verse 23 says, For you have been born again. That is, in the Amplified, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purposes. Not of a seed which is perishable or mortal, but from seed that is imperishable and immortal. That is through the living and everlasting word of God. Well, I'll read a little bit more here. But you were, you were reborn from a, a seed that's not from here. It's not something that was. It's not the seed that was before sin came in and corrupted it. You are reborn. That's why it freaked was Zacchaeus out when Jesus told him he had, you know, he had to be reborn. He's just like, how am I supposed to climb back in there and climb back out? And she's like, no, that's weird. You are reborn in the spirit from a seed that is not from here. You were born in flesh from mortal, corruptible seed. But you were reborn in Christ. And now you're incorruptible and immortal. You are immortal. Well, you don't. You are not just had the potential of immortality. But when you are born again, when you're redeemed, when you're when you're renewed in Christ, you are immortal in Him, just like He is. It's not from your parents, but it's through the living, everlasting Word of God. So everything that you would ascribe to the Word of God, then it. it Piece of it won't be changed. It won't pass away. It's it's always and forever. He's everlasting. That's that's the same um, properties, if you want to say it that way, that you have inside of you now. And he makes a comparison here. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord 
endures forever. You endure forever because you are now of another seed. You are of another substance. And this is the word, the good news of salvation that was preached to you. So our old life in comparison was like grass. You know, I have a wonderful, beautiful yard that's full of uh, weeds. And um, uh, some people here need to get saved and stop giving me a hard time about it. But sometimes I come home and it's like, I just own it. You know, it's like, thank you, Lord, for making a bouquet for me. It's all those like weed flowers, but the yellow ones, and they like follow the sun. So you get home and it's like my yard's filled <laughs> like hundreds and hundreds of these uh, little flowers. But, you know, a couple hours and the sun has been beating on them. You know, they're dead. And it's like comparatively, that's who we were. Compared to with now, we are like the everlasting word, you know, that we're immortal in him. I'll just read this to you real quick in 1 John 4, 17. Again, I'd be amplified. In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected in us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. You know, that's been another uh, mind explosion. So... Uh, because as he is, so are we in this world. You know, I think we've been okay with believing a lot of this stuff. If it was one day when we die and then we somehow go to heaven somewhere. But the truth of the gospel is as he is, so are we in this world. So at the moment of salvation, the moment of re, uh, becoming reborn in him. So just like he is, so now I am in this world right now to be manifested. I just thought this was really cool. Ephesians 4.22. I can just read it. You don't have to flip there again. It's how they amplified it. Amplified. It's Ephesians 4.22. It says, regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self. So he's talking about, look, you know, the way that you used to do your life. You put off your old self. Completely disregard your former nature. Mm. Which is being corrupted through deceitful desires. And be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. And put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature that's created in God's image, God-like, in righteousness and in, and in holiness of the truth. I read that again. Put on the new self that's regenerated and renewed nature, created in God's image, God-like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Again, we get weird with stuff like this because it feels presumptuous, but I think it's because we don't understand what Christ died for and what the Father's desire was all along that he didn't create. Jesus talks about, and I don't call you slaves any longer. I call you friends. Like He's, he's not looking... He's not saying we're all going to be gods one day and just like God the Father one day we'll be like that. We'll be like God and we'll, you know, that's a twisting of what he's talking about. But he's, he's called us and he's created us to be, have the capacity to be friends with him. Have the capacity to walk like shoulder to shoulder with him. He's always God. He's always our father. He's always our source, our covering. Um, he produced us like he he, he bore us. He forget us like he did Jesus. We, Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers to come. Um, and, and that's who we are inside of him. But we need to come up in our understanding of what that really means. That we are 
according to the Bible, which I didn't add this in, we are godlike in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Because as he is, so are we. He made it possible, so we come up in under him. We're not equals with him, but he's brought us up into this thing to share in his life with him. That we don't, we're not limited in our access to uh, even being in a state like God is, if you want to put it that way. That he's pure, that he's righteous, that he's holy, and he calls us up into perfection to be pure and righteous and holy just like him. And that's another one of those teachings, be perfect as I'm perfect. Uh, I've heard lots of messages weaving their way all around that thing. Well, he really meant this because we can never be. No, he said be perfect because he meant he wants us to be perfect because it's possible through the cross. It's possible through the life that it dwells on the inside of us uh, because of what Jesus did. That's the desire of the Father that we'd be perfect like he's perfect and we get to be with him. So there we go. So we're free from our old selves and the limitations of our old selves. Next thing, we are a new creation. This is really fun. Uh, turn to, well, no, you're, you can turn there, but I'm going to read out of Passion, so it's not even going to track with you. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17. Turn there so you don't think I'm lying. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17. Excuse me. Got back to Texas allergies, and my nose is freaking out. So we are new creations. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. What does your translation say? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old and therefore, that's why the old all things become new. Yes, that's what we're familiar with. That word, new creation, uh, it's, it's, it's a word, it's kainos. So we are kainos creations. I just want to share with you a little bit of what kainos means. You can go look it up. I, you know, I love the concordance and like interlinear Bibles, look up blueletterbible.com. You can find all this stuff for yourself. Um, that word creation, new creation is kainos, and it means as respect to the substance of the thing that's being created, it is of a new kind. It is unprecedented. It is novel. It is uncommon, and it is unheard of in this age. And that's who you are. You are of a new kind. You are unprecedented. You are novel compared to the ones around you. You are uncommon and you are unheard of in this age. You are a kainos creation. And, and a lot of our misunderstanding and, and misliving out what the Lord's actually done for us is because we tried to bring back something that we had instead of living from a new creation. And I think if we could see the way, and I'm speaking about myself as well, because I'm just starting to see this, if we could really see ourselves in this kind of funny picture. It says, we, you know, we have an old man. We're going to read something later on. Uh, or, no, it's in Ephesians about putting off your old self, putting on your new self. Uh, and I think in the church and in Christendom today, if you could really see what it looks like about what we're really doing, it's a bunch of renewed, reborn spirits in Christ that are carrying around dead carcasses trying to fit ourselves back in some dead old carcass and it's like hey sir how's it going i have like a dead leg and it doesn't quite fit anymore but we're just dragging around dead carcasses uh because we're trying to live from our old self but we're new on you know so like paul's saying put on your new self this is who we are we're not even the same anymore we don't reflect what was before and that right there that single thing would shift so much of what we struggle with and why 
it seems like Christians don't look any different than everybody else because we haven't understood and applied and lived from the fact that we are totally new. Like the rules are different, what's possible is different, who we are is completely different. It's not even a resemble, like it's not 2.0 Tom, it's mega Tom. You know, it's like <laughs> mega Tom. It's totally, it's like, I heard this example the other day and I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty great. It's like, uh, there's, cause there's two words and I can't remember the other one. I have to go look now. There's two about saying something's new and one of them is just a one for one replacement. So if you had, you know, like if I, you know, I had this journal here and you were gonna give me a one, you know, that type of new deal, I would give you this journal. You would give me a, just a new version of this journal. And that's not what Kainos means. It literally means if I gave you a journal and then you gave me back like the internet and a chip that gets to be planted in my brain. You know, it's like, it may do, you could probably journal, it It may do the, some of the same stuff, but it's like orders and orders and orders and orders above and beyond what's even possible with, with this thing. You know, it's like giving you blank pages and you giving me all the information in the world that I can instantly access in my brain. Like that's what, to be a new creation is really like. And so, so much we try to take an old mindset or an old unregenerate way within, within us and then apply it to what's possible as a new creation and apply it to our life uh, in the gospel, our life as uh, sons and daughters. And it just doesn't work because what God's called us to is not possible uh, as an old creation. And, you know, we need to uh, get and understand that what the Word's called us to and what we're, man, what He really, really, really wants us to walk in is not possible uh, as an old creation. Like there's no way that you could even come close to doing and being who he, who he wants you to be and what he wants you to do with them. We're supposed to do the works of God. We're supposed to walk with them. Jesus said, uh, you'll do all these things that I did in, in greater. And that's another one. I, you know, in Bible school, I had all classes that taught what that really meant. Um, they taught it was uh, one of the, the deals. Well, he, he didn't really mean like you as an individual. He meant like, the whole corporate body of Christ all added together, we may just barely do something a little bit better than what Jesus did. Wow. Um, and that's that's a lie. It's it's absolute garbage and junk. Jesus said, you'll do the things that I did and greater things will you do because he is going to come and dwell on the inside of you. And it's, it's the Lord in us, but it's actually us doing them. Yes. And that's the other thing we need to get out of. Like, oh, the Lord healed someone the other day. No, you did. Like, on, you man. prayed for them. Come on. Come on. He doesn't just, he can, he does stuff on his own because he's fully capable because he's God. But if I pray for you and you get healed, I put my hands on you. I, I'm with the Father. Like, I'm doing it with him. But I did. Like, I laid hands on you and I partnered with him. And I know that's just some of you are like, oh, I can't believe you're saying that. It's okay. You're powerful. You cannot agree with that. But we need to stop being ridiculous and stop acting like we're not supposed to walk like he walks. And we're not supposed to do the things like he does. And then stop explaining it away. Like we're not powerful. Like we're not a new creation. Like we're not filled with the glory of God and manifesting his life and light out of us all the time everywhere we go. Mm. I want to finish reading the rest of this out of the Passion. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. 
All that is related to the old order is vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, or he's given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was as though the anointed one that God, I'm sorry. In other words, it was though the anointed one, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. And that's, that's part of this thing. Uh, he's giving us the responsibility, the right to be ones that opens up the door to reconcile the world back to him. Just in the same way we stepped in and like, we need to own this stuff. That's why we need to stop putting it off. Like that's not who we are. Like when not when, some, when the Lord does something and I partner with him, I partner, I stuck my hand out. I prayed for you and you were here through the power of, of God. But it's because I'm in him. I'm one with him. It's not like, because the way we've done it is almost like we tap into this thing that we don't belong to. And that's why we've relegated uh, here, here miracles and signs and wonders and healings to somebody else. Because we don't teach that, no, it's me. Like I'm in him. And so when I'm in him and I pray for you, then it's him coming out. It's him being released from the inside of me, touching your life. I'm bringing heaven. I'm bringing glory that dwells in me, out of me, into you. But we've, we've not done that because it sounded weird and we didn't have intimacy and we didn't know what was ours. And so people do that and then say, oh, you know, it wasn't me. Somehow you just acted like some kind of medium or some kind of channel between some distant God that heals every once in a while to this person who doesn't know him at all. Instead of healing you and partnering with that and saying, yeah, that was that was me in him. That was God. That's who he's called you to be. And saying, just like I did that, if you step into him, you can go do that in him. Because it's through intimacy and it's through relationship that we get to walk in this stuff. It's not, I somehow, you know, just did it and I'm not even sure how, but it wasn't me. It was all him. You know, yeah, it was him in you. It was you in him. Uh, that he wants to flow and that's how he wants to work in us so I want to like tie our brains in a knot or anything but it's just simply we've robbed other people from the life that the Lord has wanted to give to them because we we won't take credit for what's true if we would just be responsible to live in him and to take responsibility uh, in, in ownership of what he looks like inside of us the people want that that all I'm saying is what what I hope to get out of this is this is awesome. It sounds like science fiction, but it's the gospel. And people want it if we would just be bold enough to share it with people. And if we would start to live this out. If you go out and you share this kind of stuff with people, it's a different story than trying to get them to pray some weird prayer for this thing. They're not even sure that they did. you know. And then we wonder why we're largely ineffective. Uh, it's not just through healing. or There's so many different examples that we could use, but it's through like fullness of life in him and as we understand that and walk in it we get to call people into that i'm going to keep reading here we are ambassadors of the anointed one jesus who carried the message of christ to the world as though god were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips so we tenderly plead with you on christ's behalf turn back to god and be reconciled to him this is a crazy mind-blowing statement here in the word for god 
made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union in him. This is what he's called us into. It's a new creation. It's ambassadors um, into this new life with him. And I just want to quickly go through. That's that's really a, a piece of the gospel message that we are, you know, did you share that with somebody the last time you went and talked? I mean, are you living that out? Is that a reality in your life that you actually live and walk with the Lord in that kind of place? And then do you have the ability yet to invite someone into that to articulate, this is a crazy, amazing life and everything's changed and I'm not even held or bound by the laws of sin and death anymore. Or another way we'd say I'm not even held or bound by the laws of, of everyone that you see around me, that I'm a higher being, that I'm created in God and I reflect him in that with the things he does I can do. Like we need to start getting to where that doesn't feel weird to say <laughs> and your brain's not doing six different things wondering if I'm saying something heretical right now um, but that we actually really believe that's who we are in him and so the, the process to that adoption to his family the, the gospel message is, is adoption and there's a little misunderstanding or miscommunication that we've had and I just want to uh, talk about that here real quick and when, when Paul talks about what we'll read in, in Romans 8.15, um, you can turn there. We'll read there in a minute. Romans 8.15, um, it talks about adoption into the family of God. And we make the mistake many times, and all of us do it, so that's why we need to walk with him. Stop being of this earth and start being uh, of our Father in heaven. Start being spirit beings like we are. Start thinking of ourselves that way so that we can transcend, so we can get above culture and, and understandings that we've had. Because when... The Bible, when Paul's talking about um, adoption, he's not talking about adoption as we know it today. He's actually, it was, um, it's, it's adoption as it is in heaven. Um, and it's really cool because when you start seeing this stuff, it's it was mirrored in the adoption process in the Roman world at the time because Paul was a Roman citizen. And so he's using um, this image, this shadow of something that was a truth in heaven before it was ever a truth on earth. And so it starts really tripping you up that the Lord, you know, says he puts kings and kingdoms and thrones into place. And he puts those people into those positions. And I believe even in this one small situation that the Lord calls the Roman Empire to exist, even so that it could reflect things that hadn't yet been reflected on the earth because they were in heaven. And so the Roman adoption process looks looked a lot like the, the adoption process in heaven. And so he always uses... He'll manifest something on earth that's already existing in heaven to create an ark or a, a connection point for us, if that makes any sense. So it's important uh, that we understand those types of things anyways. We'll go there. But the adoption process, so it wasn't parents adopting little children. The adoption process was actually full-grown adult males for the most part. Um, so we'll just, I was reading a bunch of stuff about it, but it's adult males. And so it'd be like if President Trump came and said, uh, you know, Tom, I don't have a son that can lead my can lead this family. Their family units, it wasn't like you get 18 and you move out. It was in that Roman culture, it was like 
it was like almost like a little kingdom or like a little unit like that. And so it would be all the supporting family around it. And it would be the, uh, the head, the father. Uh, it would also be the priest and the king kind of of that region and represent the family. He would run the family business. He would set the family culture. And so President Trump, because this happened a lot with emperors, some of the most famous emperors were adopted sons that didn't grow up in that line or that lineage. So he could say, you know, my son's really young and I'm going to die before uh, he's able to take over this or I don't have a son that's capable of doing this or maybe you left or ran away or whatever. So I want you, you know, Tom's 39, oh, seven, sorry. Uh, 55, oh, okay. Um, and so it's not, often it was in the 20s or 30s, but it's not little children. Uh, it was actually full-grown adults. Um, and so they would come and say, I want you, I want to adopt you into my family so you can take over family business. You can take over the priestly role within the family. You can take over um, running and, and, and administrating the ways and the culture of the family. Because usually people who did this were high up, you know, senators and whatever, important people. And so Tom would say, yes, absolutely. I want to do that because Tom's from a lower middle class, like brick maker or something like that, you know, and so he was doing fine, but he didn't have a lot of, you know, he wasn't going to rise in the ranks uh, like, you know, we have the ability to do here now just by getting money. And so it wasn't, it wasn't done. It wasn't immediate. And so the father would say, uh, okay, good. And he would assign seven tutors, seven teachers, seven um, uh, governors over Tom, and then would send them through a process of adoption, a process of sonship. Uh, isn't that crazy? Yeah, so it's the seven, it's the seven spirits, the Lord. Um, and, and it would be a process, and he would meet with each one, and he would go through and encounter them, and they would teach him what it's like to be a, a, a son in the Father's house, in the kingdom uh, of the Father. And, it's, it, and so as that process went through, uh, he'd start getting some responsibilities, but it was always under the tutorship of these seven. And then when the day came that the seven were thumbs up, they would go before the judge. And um, in, in the Roman culture, you had a scroll for your life, and it recorded everything. It was like license, number, social security, um, birth certificate, criminal record, uh, tax history. You know, it's like that was your life. That was, your, that was who you were on this scroll. Your family history, your lineage. Um, and so you would come before the court in the, in, in the process of adoption. Uh, the father would say, I want to adopt this one into my family as a son. Uh, the seven uh, witnesses would, would, would testify to your ability to be ready to do that. And then the judge would take your old scroll because uh, they didn't have uh, acid and ink. So uh, writing wasn't permanent at the time on, like, uh, on scrolls on the papyrus or the paper. And so he'd take a wet rag and he would wipe uh, that scroll completely clean wow. it would be gone. So everything you were, all who you were, all your debts, all just everything about you is done. And they pull a new scroll out and then you would be grafted into, you'd be written into this family. Um, and so everything that that means, it would be in that. Um, wow. And that's, that's, that's crazy. That's, it, you start looking at this. And so we're going to go read um, in Romans, and so now you have this in mind, and this is the understanding of adoption. Romans 8, 15, for you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering so that we may share in his glory. I just want to talk a little bit about inheritance as well. And so that was the process of, of adoption. Um, but this other thing that our culture clashes with what was intended, what heaven's culture is like, that was reflected in this Roman uh, culture, was the issue of inheritance. And I've always thought it was weird. I don't know that I put too much thought into it, but we have an inheritance in God. And I just always thought that's weird because God's never going to die. So it's almost like I have something that I'll never get to use. Because now, if I have inheritance, I get it when, when my dad dies. But Father of God doesn't die. And so I just like, that's weird. Um, and in that Roman culture that mirrors and reflects heaven's culture, whenever you came into sonship, it was like, it was like a family uh, unit. And so the inheritance was immediately accessible. And so each son would get that inheritance from the father. But because they were in this family unit, it wasn't like I take my inheritance out of the family structure and I go plant my own family structure. It was like I had access to my inheritance within the family unit immediately. And so as soon as that process was finalized and you became a son of that house, you immediately had full right and access into the inheritance to use immediately. And it's just, it's like, that's, that's who we are, that if we're sons, if we've been adopted into his family, then we share in his uh, inheritance. We share in his spiritual blessing and inheritance. I want to read this verse 17 from the Passion Translation. It was just really crazy. Uh, verse 17 out of Passion says, And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. You know, I, just to give a little understanding, I think that we're all in a process, or you know, many of us are in a process of sonship. So if, you, if you've heard the sonship message before, you've probably entered into like, yes, I want to I be a son. Uh, and I keep saying son, and we said before, men and women are sons, and men and women are the bride. And so it's just the biblical language uh, that we're sons of God. Um, and, but that's a, that's a process. So coming into the process of sonship does not mean you are yet a son, a mature son. Because there was a difference between, there was like a, you know, the Bible talks about it. There is a deposit in us, in the Holy Spirit, that confirms that we belong to him. But there's a revealing yet to yet to come um, and again I, that does death doesn't bring the revealing the, the revealing of Jesus reveals who we really are and so there's a training period from the entering into sonship oh I have a father who loves me that's the beginning that's at the ground floor of sonship and then we go through a process with these tutors with these governors that teach us how to be sons and then we step into this stuff and so uh, that's where we are, and again, death does not qualify us to go from the process of sonship into being a son. I think you have a large part to play in that, how much of the, you engage in the process. Because it even talked about in that Roman culture reflection that it, sometimes it took longer than others. It just depended on how qualified and how much that person was engaging in the process. Now, that's where 
the heaven's culture differs from the Roman culture. The Lord has qualified you. And so the question is not whether you're qualified or not. It's whether you put off your old self, put on your new self, and participate and start working with him in what you're capable of doing as a new son. And as you do that, as you enter into that process and become like him through learning obedience, Jesus did this. Go back and look. He did this whole deal. Uh, uh, Isaiah uh, 11, verse 2, actually talks about the seven spirits of God, the spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Those are seven spirits that tutored Jesus. And it says right after that that he would not judge or discern with by the way that he sees with his eyes, the way that he hears, hears with his ears like some other men would, but that he would rule the earth as a son because he'd been tutored in his father's house according to the culture of the father's house. And so we need to engage with the sonship process with the Lord to become, to understand what it's like to be sons of the father's house. And he gives us in measure responsibilities as we're walking in that. But it's possible, and I'm going to say this here, if you're still with me, it is possible to be a fully mature son here and now. Yes. We're not waiting for the rapture because yes. Jesus is revealed. Come on. He's there. And so it's him being revealed in us that, that is the consummation of the like the flip, the switch flipping on for us to step into mature sonship. And we can do that now. You cannot do that now and step into eternity and have a lot to learn. But we can do that now if we partner with him. So we can access. So we were adopted into his family and then we can access the father and our inheritance. Now turn to Luke 15. This is really interesting. I'm certainly not going to read Luke 15, it's the parable of the prodigal son, but I just want to explain it a little bit. I think there's a key in there for us just to encourage you um, in stepping into this stuff now. We have access to our Father now. We have access to our inheritance now according to the measure that we take responsibility and walk with him and learn in his ways. So the, you have the story of the prodigal son. You have two sons. One father, one of the sons says, I want all my stuff and I'm leaving. He goes and wastes it off, blah, blah, blah. He comes back in repentance. Father runs out and meets him. Uh, he tries to give this speech, this justification for why the father should take him back. The father doesn't need that. Father's love. He brings him back in and he says, you know, go get the rope, go get the ring, go get the sandals, go get the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast and they have a party that night. But there, and this whole time, you know, I've heard so many messages on this and not really any on the older brother because it was a younger brother who was the prodigal son. And there was an older brother. So the whole time this idiot's out doing all this stuff, there is an older brother at home being faithful and staying with his father. Um, and it starts in verse 28. It says, but the old, elder brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. Again, this is out of the Amplified. The elder brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and pleaded with him. You know, I just love both sons, both stupid in their own way. And both times the father comes out and he's pleading and he's meeting with them because he desires them. Verse 29, but he said to his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never neglected or disobeyed your commandment. And yet you have never given me so much as a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But then when this uh, other son of yours arrived, who has devoured your estate with immoral women, you slaughtered that fat calf for him. But the father said to him, and hear this, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. 
And that's like a gutting statement that the father makes to the son. And, and, and what it is, and I think this is the state of the church, and this is going to be the, the soul-wrenching, gutting statement that many people hear from the father uh, in that day of judgment. Not a message of depart from me, but a message of uh, you were always with me. And all that I had was always yours. And so you're stepping into this place of eternity, this new age, at the very, very bottom. And you have so much to go up into and learn. And I'm telling you, there are those, and I'm going to be one of them, and I, you better as well. There are those who are going now, who are growing now. And they're going to step into that time if we're alive when he comes. Um, and at that age, uh, I'm trying to remember... I think it's in Jeremiah, gosh, I want to say 38, but it talks about those who are wise are like, um, those who are wise are like bright lights, and those who lead many into righteousness are like suns or shining. Uh, they're like burning ones. And I think there's a couple of different ways to step into the new age. Uh, I'm talking about ruling when, when heaven meets earth, not new age, but the new age, the new era that's coming, the return of the Lord. We can step into there at ground level with doing nothing, like not even being wise. Everything you had was just barely, uh, was burned up and you just came through and you get to come in. There's those who walked in wisdom that will be there a measure of brightness, a measure of glory in their life. And then there will be what I believe is talking about kings, priests, and sons that will shine, that will be burning ones, that will be bright ones before the Lord. And that's what you know I'm going after. That's what I want to be before the Father, because there's reward uh, in those things. So we have access to Him and our inheritance now, and we need to understand and really, really get that we're with Him, and that we have access to Him. Everything He has uh, is ours today as we walk in the process of sonship with Him. And so this is just a practical thing, and I'll do this real quick. Won't be done, but I just wanted to share this part too. I just felt like the Lord was saying, just in a practical measure, you know, we we um, uh, recently has had a conversation with someone, no one here at all, uh, no one that you would know. But we were talking, and they said something that was just so like, whoa, that was crazy. Um, but they said something to the effect that they were still waiting on their calling. They were still looking for their calling, and it was just like. It was nuts, like the word just like, boom, <laughs> like what just happened? And I was talking to Rachel after, she's like, yeah, I felt that too. So just listening and asking, well, what are, you, what are you saying about that? And it was like a blast from the past, because I don't know how many, like, you know, we grew up in the Assemblies of God, you know, some kind of charismatic world. I don't know how many other backgrounds uh, walk in this, but we're charismatics, event, uh, event, evangelicals are so like, Oh, calling, you know, it's like the the carrot that's in front of us, calling, 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 calling. You know, but the only problem is everyone knows they have a calling and no one knows what their calling is. And we have like full out grown up people who still don't know what their calling is. And I think the Lord wants to hit you in the head and tell you, you know, this is what he said to me. Never, ever, ever again ask what your calling is. Like it was like straight up rebuke. Like you shut your mouth about your calling because you were called into him you were called in sonship you're called in intimacy 
and nothing else. And all the things that we've called callings are just outflows of maturity for people who are seated in Christ. And so I think today you need to be set free from your calling. There's really interesting scripture in 2 Timothy. And look, there's gifts that are callings that are without repentance. I'm not talking about that, but we've made this thing, this weird thing that 2 Timothy talks about. And it's in verse seven, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 7. You can just write it down. Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what calling in this culture, in this like regional culture is like. It's always learning. We're always taking a new Facebook quiz to see what our calling is. We're always reading the next of this book or the next that book. We're asking people. We go to conferences. Please pray for me. We go in prayer lines to receive our calling, but we're never finding it ever. And what it really is, we're just looking for someone else to approve of us and to justify us and to bring us up into their favor. And so a lot of what callings are are us being totally powerless and being totally dependent on other people to make us useful in the kingdom. So without Tom, I'm useless. Without this pastor, this worship person, I have no purpose. When that's, you are powerful. We talked about the event. You are, you don't, I don't need him to bring me into a place of anything. I had my father. And now we get to co-labor together. We get to work together. And we have graces and there's callings and there are uh, positions within bodies, there's all that kind of stuff. What you are not looking for nor waiting, which is why I think the Father's not answering what you think your calling should be. It's not elusive or hard to find because it's not dependent on any other person. You are not waiting on anyone to do anything more than what Jesus has already done on the cross. You are called and created for intimacy with him. That is your calling. That is your sole purpose for existing first and foremost and everything else just comes out of the outflow of that and so I just really want you to hear I know the door's opening they're safe, she's not going to take them out in the street (laughs) they're just going to play you are called and created and made available through what Jesus did through this gospel message you were created to be intimate with the Father, to walk shoulder to shoulder with the Son to be filled with the fullness of God on the inside that's your calling and everything else you do it just comes out from that place and you will do amazing things you will get to partner work because our father works hard Uh, he creates constantly and he wants to invite us into that Uh, but it all comes from your true high calling uh, which is intimacy with him in Ephesians 319 I'll just read this over you you can write it down if you want to look it up this is out of the ESV Ephesians 319 No, it's not. It's out of the Amplified. That you may come to know. This is your calling. That you may come to know practically and through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled up through your being to the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. That's your calling. That's what you've been looking everywhere for and waiting for someone else to do. If that's what you, if that's kind of your mindset or your paradigm, but that's your calling. I'm telling you, you don't need anyone else. Jesus already did it all. It's through faith by grace. It's for coming into him uh, and you're powerful. And the, the problem with this message 
is that powerful people don't get to put off the responsibility on somebody else. So it's two ways. You are powerful in the gospel. You're powerful in God. But you also bear the responsibility of that power that's been given to you. And there will be many, many who have waited their whole life and wasted away and stand before him. And he's like, man, I was with you the whole time. Everything I had was yours for the taking, but you were waiting on someone else. Because uh, you're called to intimacy, not to other people's favor. And this is, we talked a little while ago, and just always getting more understanding on stuff. But there's not full-time ministry, as we think of it. If you're a believer, you are full-time in, in relationship with the Lord. And that's why we, we've wondered... We feel like we have to go into a position at a church and get paid from a church to be in a full-time ministry when this, what I just said right there, your full callings, intimacy, and relationship with him, that's, it's full-time. It's not Sunday, Wednesday, it's not midweek stuff, it's not prayer meetings, but it's all the time, 100%. It's everything you do is communing and being in relationship with your Father, being led by the Holy Spirit talking with him seeing him tasting touching smelling engaging with him growing up into sonship as powerful people with him and it takes everything and it'll cost you everything you know this is the good news uh, but jesus also said you know he doesn't lay down everything he's not worthy to follow me why because this is good news this is amazing it's a mind-blowing gift that we've been invited into but it'll cost you everything uh, and there are measures of walking with the Lord uh, and suffering, but it's but it's totally worth it. You know, it's, it's so good. And so um, you're powerful and begin to take responsibility for your life and for what you're called to walk into as far as intimacy goes. And the Lord's got amazing. I mean, it's just like the amazing journey uh, awaits us to those who say yes uh, to this whole deal. And it's so good. And you are already qualified in Christ. You are qualified. The people out there are already qualified. This isn't everyone saved kind of deal, but they're qualified. They need to hear and respond, but they're already qualified. So if they're qualified, then you and in this church building, probably a believer, are most certainly qualified <clears throat> to walk this stuff out. And it's a free gift. So I just want to pray um, and close out here. Father, we thank you or that we're powerful in you, or we're powerful in intimacy and relationship, that we can hear your voice, that we see your face, Lord. So we just ask that um, you work this truth into our hearts. Lord, you're not scared uh, of the journey that it takes to rewire so many things and to, to have new perspective and to have uh, new understanding through you. So Lord, we just ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God to come uh, and lead us into these things, that the seven spirits of God would come and, and instruct us in the ways of sonship, instruct us in the ways of your house. Lord, we thank you for your abiding presence. Lord, we thank you that we're seated in you and that we are literally in the name of Jesus. We're seated with you in heavenly places, and you're seated in the heart of the Father. And this is our reality. It's who we are. It's, it, it's our position before you. Seated in the heart of the Father. Seated in Christ. Sitting on a throne as one who's overcome. So we just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about our community, please visit our website at eastgatetx.org.